0: To another episode of Sunrise Ministries, things have been good here. We've been uh, traveling, and uh, I've been on vacation, and I got to lay uh, pretty much on the beach last week, most of the week. And so, uh, <laughs> so I hope that your uh, your uh, travels and vacations are just as blessed as mine were. Um, Going to be talking about something a little different today. Out of our usual, and uh, this was actually kind of inspired by uh, the Sheologians podcast that uh, Summer Yeager and uh, Joy, um, uh, forgetting her last name, maybe Newsome, Uh, but uh, she's Joy the Girl on Apologia Studios, and um, they have a podcast podcast. I think it's designed for women, but I mean, I listen to it because I think they're, I think they're great. Um, and uh, they're, uh, she's uh, the daughter of uh, James White. So she, um, and, uh, and really holds her own again uh, when talking with her dad, I really enjoyed that. Um, so they're, uh, they reported on a couple of uh, mysteries a couple of murder mysteries. Uh, and, and they did the, they did a murder mystery about a, a missing girl that they believe is murder, but no, no one's really sure. And then they did the, a mystery of this pr- jogger who pushed a woman in front of a bus. And I was sitting there listening to this, and I was like, wait a minute, this is like really cool stuff, you know. I can do that too. <laughs> and so for my uh, much smaller audience than Sheologians, um, I actually have a mystery that I would like to um, share with all of you. And that is the mystery... Of West End Baptist Church. Now, some of you may have heard this story before. You may have heard of this mystery, and um, and and it's it's a it's a phenomenon. It's been it's been uh, authenticated and supported by numerous news outlets and Snopes.com itself. You know, I don't know how you might feel about old Snopes.com, but they have investigated this and reported its validity as well. Uh, So, West End Baptist Church is a little church in Nebraska. And this took place in 1950. So yes, about 71 years ago, in 1950, uh, a little Nebraskan church exploded. Now, I don't mean exploded in people. I don't mean in popularity. I don't mean in uh, in Holy Spirit. (laughs) I mean it physically blew up. There was a physical explosion that destroyed the church. And this is the mystery. Now, the mystery is not... What caused the explosion? It was a gas. Gas explosion. It was a gas leak, and something ignited the gas, and it caused an explosion in the building and destroyed um, uh, destroyed uh, the church building. Um, but what the mystery is, is why no one was hurt. Now, most church buildings are pretty empty throughout the week, but this explosion... Happened to happen at 7.25 p.m. on Wednesday, March 1st, 1950. Now, you might be thinking, oh yeah, if you're, if you're a Christian, and, and most Christians have a church that has a Wednesday night service, you're thinking, oh man, that's probably in the middle of their Wednesday night. Well, this church, interestingly enough, uh, had choir practice at that time. But listen to this. Now, this is from uh, Snopes.com, and this is uh, referencing the article Why the Choir Was Late by George Adele in Life. In March 1950, Um, and uh, and so this is uh, just just an amazing um, uh, story. Listen to this: Choir practice at Westside Baptist Church in Beatrice, Nebraska, always began at 7:20 on Wednesday evening. At 7:25 p.m. on March 1st, Wednesday, March 1st, 1950, an explosion demolished the church. The blast forced a nearby radio station off the air and shattered the windows in surrounding homes. But every one of the choir's 15 members escaped injury, saved by coincidence. All were late for practice that night. Considering the sanctified site of the explosion, it was not surprising that some attributed the near-miss to divine intervention. They supposedly write... Uh, write that the odds of unanimous tardiness were slim indeed, especially when the reasons were examined. Car trouble delayed someone. A minister and his daughter were delayed by a dress iron. uh, Others were late because they paused to complete homework. Some could think of no specialties, and they were just late. It is impossible to calculate the precise odds for all these events occurring at once, but past performance indicated that each person would be late to practice one time in four producing a a one-in-a-million chance that the entire choir would be late that night. Um, And so we have some more information here. It says, That afternoon, Reverend Walter Klimpel had gone to the Westside Baptist Church to get things ready for choir practice. He lit the furnace. Most of the singers were in the habit of arriving around 7.15, which is apparently when uh, the choir director, Martha Paul, was the stern choir director. She demanded punctuality in her choir members. They were all to be at the church by 7.25 for practice. In the past, they had arrived on time, with very few exceptions. However, on this night, March 1st, 1950, for various reasons, and we're going to list them, all of these people did not make it. Let's see. Um, All right, so the reverend, uh, the pastor, lights the furnace, and then he leaves. Most people would uh, get there around 715. It's chilly in the church. He goes home to dinner. So the pastor lights the furnace. He leaves. Church is empty. At 7.10, when it was time for him to go back to the church with his wife and daughter, it turned out that his daughter's dress was dirty, and so they waited while his wife ironed, it, uh, ironed another dress, and then they could change their daughter back at home. LaDonna Vandergriff, a high school sophomore, was having trouble with a geometry problem. She knew practice began promptly and always came early, but she stayed at home to finish the geometry problem. Royna Estes was ready, but the car would not start. "'So she and her sister called LaDonna Vandergriff "'and asked her to pick them up. "'But LaDonna was with the girl with the geometry problem, "'and the Estes sisters had to wait. "'Sadie Estes' story was the same as Rayenna's. "'All day they had been having trouble with the car. "'It just refused to start.' Mrs. Leonard Shuster ordinarily would have arrived at 7.20 with her small daughter Susan, but on this particular evening, Mrs. Shuster had to go to her mother's house to help her get ready for a missionary meeting. Herbert Keith, a lathe operator, would have been ahead of time, but had put off an important letter. He can't think of why, he said. He lingered over it and was late. It was a cold evening. Stenographer Joyce Black, feeling just plain lazy, stayed in her warm house until the last possible moment. She was almost ready to leave when it happened. Because his wife was away, machinist Harvey Al was taking care of his two young boys. He was going to take them to practice with him, but somehow he got wound up talking with them, and when he looked at his watch, he saw that it was already late. Marilyn Paul, the pianist, had arrived, uh, planned to arrive half an hour early. However, she fell asleep after dinner, and when her mother awakened her at 7.15, she had time only to tidy up and start out. Mrs. F.E. Paul, choir director and mother of the pianist, was late simply because her daughter was. She tried unsuccessfully to awaken the girl earlier. High school girls Lucille Jones and Dorothy Wood are neighbors and customarily go to practice together. Lucille was listening to a 7 to 7.30 radio program and broke her habit of promptness because she wanted to hear the end and Dorothy waited with her. At 7.25, with a roar heard in almost every corner of Beatrice, the West Side Baptist Church blew up. The walls fell outward. The heavy wooden roof crashed straight down like a weight in a deadfall. But because of such matters as a soiled dress, a catnap, an unfinished letter, a geometry problem, and a stalled car, all of the members of the choir were late, something which had never occurred before. Firemen thought that the explosion was caused by natural gas, which may have leaked into the church from a broken pipe and ignited by a fire in the furnace. The Beatrice choir members have no particular theory about the fire's cause. Each one of them began to reflect on the heretofore inconsequential details of their life, wondering exactly what it is that one point can say, this was simply an act of God. And that was George Dell. Why the Choir Was Late. Now, what I think is amazing about this is all of these various people coming together uh, who would never be late before, and you can imagine, in a Baptist church in 1950, you know, choir practice is one of the most important things that you go to, possibly as important as the uh, performance itself then the worship on Sunday, and so they're all, for various reasons, this one particular night, staying back. Now, you could think of this as coincidence, and and a person who wanted to criticize Christianity or even make fun could say that you know haha look at the church was ex- you know blown up it was an explosion you know the pastor may have must have done something wrong and caused it but the truth is this when you think about the story and the mystery how did all of these people who had never been late before come to be late on this particular night the very night there is a gas explosion that destroys the building Well, I think, and this is our text for this episode, that this is simply no mystery other than the mystery of God's providence. In Isaiah 46, chapter 46, starting in verse 8, it says this, Remember this and stand firm, and recall it to mind, you who transgress. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. "...declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird from the prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I will bring near my righteousness, it is not far away, and my salvation will not delay." I will put my salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. So, Isaiah 46 is declaring several important things. One, that God is singularly unique and there is none like him, no other. Verse 10, he declares the end from the beginning. He says in verse 11, I have spoken. And I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. So God has a purpose for his creation. He has a purpose for this world. He has a purpose for his church, for his bride. And he has spoken this purpose into creation and it will take place as he has spoken it. There is no room for the plans of God to be disrupted. God did not plan for them to have choir practice that night, and then the mean old devil snuck in there and broke a gas pipe and lit a match, so it would blow up the Christians inside of that church. And then God had to come down and go, Oh, let me let me devise a lot of little scenarios where none of these people can ever make it on time. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this dress dirty and I'm gonna stop this car from starting and I'm gonna you know, God didn't have to do that. He spoke into creation his purpose. And we see the evidence of that purpose worked out. Why did each one of these Christians not make it to that church on time? Because that was the purpose of their creator for each of them. He purposed that they would not die that night. He purposed that that engine would not start, and that that dress would become dirty, and that that girl would oversleep, and that there would be geometry problems. He purposed these things, and he declares the end from the beginning. Now, When we see in verse 10 here, declaring the end from the beginning, this should be a joyful hope to the believer that their ending, the end of the story, the thing that in literature and movies and in television shows, if they don't stick the ending, you won't like it at all. You may not even remember the entertainment. Well, God's ending is not at risk. Jesus is not going to put on boxing gloves and go five rounds with Satan at the end of Revelation, that's not what happens. God has devised an ending of his own purposes and his own will and is bringing that to pass. He says, my counsel shall stand. So the very uh, will of God is not going to be disrupted by anyone. I think the real mystery might be this, and this might be the lesson we can learn from the mystery of West End Baptist Church. Why would we want a God? that we could disrupt and change His will. Why would we want to worship a God like that? Why would you want a God who doesn't doesn't securely hold your salvation? It could be at risk to someone coming and, and taking you away from Him. Well, I think this is an issue because people so want to hold on to their own plans. They so want to hold on to their own desires, their own will, that they'd rather have their own will, able to make their own choices... Instead of trusting in the end that was declared for them by the Lord their God. And, and I don't want to turn this into a big free will you know, kind of debate or anything like that. But let's think about just prayer for a second. In Romans chapter 8, we see where we do not even pray as we ought to. That the Spirit has to make intercession for us because we don't pray as we should. In fact, we're, we're terrible at it. We don't do right. All the time, as a Christian and as a pastor, people come to me and please pray for so-and-so. And, and people have devised prayer chains and prayer lists and and all these, you know, and please, please, please do this. Well, it, prayer is good and it is wonderful and it is communicating to God, but that's not how God has devised prayer in the New Testament. Think about the 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 model prayer Jesus gives us, you know, our Father who art in heaven, your, your will be done. There is no place in Scripture where a bunch of people got enough prayers together like they were signatures you know on on a on a piece of paper and changed God's will with their prayers in fact it is a good thing christian that you cannot change the will of God with your prayers because what if you're praying for God to do something and someone else is praying the complete opposite you know, I, I think I think that about a lot. I live in north central Florida and it can get very dry and it can get very, very humid and it can get extremely wet with a lot of rain. And when it's dry for a season, like we've just had, people will go, oh, I just, we got to pray and ask God to make it rain. We got to, you know, we have to pray and, and get God to call, send some rain. And then here comes six days of thunderstorms nonstop. And the same people going, oh, dude, just, you know, we got to, we got to stop this rain. We got to, <laughs> you know, and I know that they mean well. They're not really saying that, oh, I'm going to control God with my prayers, but there is a danger there, I think. Because if we're truly gonna trust in the end that was declared to us, then why would we want the ability to make our own choices? Why would we want the ability to change that ending? See, I, I have I have a theory, I think that that truly the flesh is not satisfied with the ending God has declared. Because think about that ending. And think about heaven most people when they describe heaven it's whatever they like or whatever they're missing on the earth they're going to have forever so the person who likes to fish and misses their grandfather is going to say oh i can't wait to fish with my grandpa in heaven or the person who likes to uh, eat you know and 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 sit at the feast table in heaven or the person who likes to sing and and and, and all of these areas but what does the scripture say we're going to do in heaven it says we're going to worship and cry, holy, 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 unto Yahweh the Lord, forever. In fact, I think there's many people that, when confronted with this, they would actually say, "You know what? I'm not that into heaven. I don't really want that. I don't really want to sing, holy, 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 forever. That sounds boring to me." Well, that is the end that has been declared from the beginning, and God has set this up. I mean, I think about the the, the ways that 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 we, we try to describe God, but, I, but we fail. And, and we fail because I think a lot of times we don't really want the God who's who's actually ordered our lives, who's actually uh, bringing these things that he has declared to pass. We kind of want the God who is there for us when we need him, but don't really want, you know, his interaction in our lives. And I think this is just a fleshly mindset. You know, like Romans 8 says, you know, are you, are you walking in the spirit or are you walking according to the flesh? And, I mean, I, I really do. Uh, I'm thinking about Proverbs 16, 9. You know, it says the, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So you think about if you're going to plan a journey. You know, you're going to plan to go to church. You're going to say, all right, I'm going to get in my car, and I'm going to start it, I'm going to, you know, put it in drive, I'm going to step on the gas pedal, I'm going to go. But when the scripture here says the Lord establishes your ability to go. So everything that you're interacting with, not the car, but the materials it's made out of, the very ground, the very earth that you are driving on or walking on, has been established by God. There is no way to get away from his declaration of the end from the beginning. No way. And, and frankly, why? Why would we want to? Why would we want to get away from the beautiful ending that God has declared for us, that all those who have repented of their sin and believed in His Son, all those who have been saved by His his Son's sacrifice and mercy and grace, why would we want to get away from that ending? I mean, there's no better ending to a story than God coming and bringing his, His full redemption to the wretched, rotten sinners whom have trusted in Him and he is actually going to forgive them. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to say, oh, you know, you guys are too bad. I'm, I'm out. What a beautiful ending to that story. And why? Why would we want, ever want to get away from that? I don't. I surely don't. And, and I pray that you wouldn't either. So that is the mystery of West End Baptist Church, how did all of these various Christians come to be late and not be inside that building at the moment of the explosion, which would have killed them all? Was it coincidence? Or, I submit to you in my opinion, was it providence that the God who declares the end from the beginning declared His purpose for each one of them? Are some of them still alive today? No. No, they're not. And we all We'll face death one day. We all will stand before the judgment seat of God. But we have a glorious purpose that has been declared. And when we trust in the one who has declared from the beginning how our ending will be, I think we'll find the greatest peace in worshiping that God. That's the one true God of the Bible. I thank you for listening, and uh, I'll talk to you next time.